0: This is KRZI Waco, K222DC Waco, K265DV Temple, ESPN Central Texas.
1: Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Oh yeah, it is the Mosley Show. Let's get some creed going. Let's get everybody's hands in the air. Jared Sandler is uh, standing by Rangers Radio Network. And, uh, Jared, calm before the storm, I was just taking in your three keys, three keys. I was a little sad, Jared, you didn't do the three up and three down that you invented the other day during some rain delay theater. I've participated in rain delay theater, as you know, over the years. But (laughs) I like a good uh, I like just kind of inventing segments as you go. And you were able to do that with Matt and Eric the other day.
0: I think inventing segments is uh the key to all of this. as a matter of fact, I think inventing segments is the key to the Rangers' success here of late, so um, <laughs> you know it puts a lot of pressure on us as broadcasters uh, I'd appreciate if you could invent a segment after this uh just to kind of keep the you know the the mojo going but uh yeah, three keys: Dean Kramer's cutter, Nathan ofvaldi's ability to command the fastball glove side, and then just not letting the emotions of playing at home change your approach to the plate you know that's you can't quantify that sort of thing but there's no doubt you play uh, in front of the crowd and you're fired up you don't want to uh, all of a sudden change what you've been doing on the road so hopefully that's not the case with the rangers
1: you know the big thing is is getting you don't want to let that team jump out to a lead although the other day it was 2-0 and i don't know what your feeling was after that they're down to nothing you're kind of like oh man this crowd's gonna get jacked and everything. How about that answer? I mean, that was amazing. And of course, we know what Garver did uh, to really break it open, nine to two. But the immediate answer from the Rangers was just enormous because it didn't la- didn't really let the Orioles get that traction, which is the crowd was ready to sit on that lead and sit on and hang on every pitch. And then the Rangers just in and, and that that was just a huge moment in this postseason, the way they responded to being down to nothing.
0: Yeah. The someone said to me years ago that when you take a lead, you get the lead, but you don't actually own the lead until you maintain it after the next team bats. And, you know, I it's you know, one of those Yogi Bear weird things, but I you know the point is simply that that next half inning is crucial. Uh, And, you know, we always talk about, you know, a shutdown inning and the importance of shutdown innings. And uh, Again, I don't know how to quantify all this, but it definitely feels like when you give up runs or you give up the lead and you come right back, even if you don't do what the Rangers did, which was uh, take a lead of their own, even if you just would have scored one run, you just you punch back and you feel a little bit better because of it. But yeah, what they did was great, and it all started with a Nathaniel Lowe walk. He's had a really rough last few weeks at the plate. Uh, made a you know a defensive error, not a, an error on the the board, but you know a mental error in the previous half inning that contributed to the two runs for the Orioles. But he was the one who got that thing started with a walk against Grayson Rodriguez, and uh, everyone else kind of followed uh, you know followed in line with Laodis Tavares at the big hit. But yeah, that was big. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think that if the Rangers do give up a lead, that next half inning is, is always super important uh, just to punch right back so you don't allow that team to, you know, carry that momentum with them.
1: All right. Uh, roof being closed, what did that do for you um, in terms of is it is it louder? Is that place uh, d- demonstrably uh, um, louder when the roof is uh is closed and and I'm sure there are some things the ball flies a little differently perhaps when it's closed, but what were you kind of, uh, what were you hoping either direction or did you not really care about uh, MLB's uh, decision on that one?
0: Yeah, I didn't, I mean, it's amazing how, you know, that was such a big topic of conversation and I get, I've gotten more responses to that than uh, just about anything else. And I get it. I mean, this, this place, I think it's, it's really pretty when the roof's open. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, we all prefer baseball when that's the case. And I think even uh, the owners of this team that, you know, funded uh, along with Arlington funded this ballpark with a roof would tell you, hey, it's a lot better when the roof's open. But, you know, it was done for good reason because of the weather. I, the ball does tend to carry more with the roof open than closed. I do think it just it, it's probably louder with the roof closed. I heard someone use the you know the phrase dew point earlier that the dew point is what is the ultimate determining factor. I, I hadn't heard that before. I don't even know if I could tell you <laughs> what a dew point is or what it means, but apparently the dew point was at a, a level that you know warranted a closed roof. Uh, you know, hopefully we do get an open roof at some point this postseason and if the Rangers advance, I'm sure we will, but uh yeah, we'll be closed tonight. I I don't think the, the players necessarily have strong opinions. Laody Tavares actually said that he prefers it with the roof closed because they spent so much time this year with the roof closed that it's a totally different feel, especially for outfielders with the roof open with the way, you know, as you mentioned, the ball carries. So, um, and then as far as who has the advantage, the Orioles or the Rangers with the roof closed or open, I'm not really too sure that there's a good way to know that, uh, you know, with the way these two teams play. They both hit a lot of home runs. Uh, You know, the Rangers, I guess you could say, would maybe have the advantage uh, just because they're more familiar with it. But I I don't really know that one team does or doesn't have an advantage based on the root status.
1: Pete Delkis could help us on the dew point. One of our uh, weather friends could get involved. Jared Sandler, who's out at Globe Life. And, uh, boy, the lots opened. I was looking at that breakdown, you know, when the gates would open, when the lots would open. There's going to be – I think you said there were red – Rally towels. I'm kind of excited. You know, I I like watching these things. Unless I'm covering it, I really do like being at home. But then also, when you get those rally towels going, uh, I was out there for that Aaron Judge homer. It, there are things you want to be in person for, and I, it, but I think it's going to look cool on TV. Uh, all all of that scene is going to be great. Now, what do you think about? I mean, Evan Carter. It's it just you almost run out of things to say but he's hitting fifth and now you just feel like well you got to put him there i mean the guy gets on base constantly he's got pop he's 21 years old um i I, jared just kind of every once in a while i just kind of remind myself i'm just like this kid was i mean they just brought him up and we're going to send him right back down and he wouldn't allow it right just the way he played and here he is sitting in the middle of a lineup of an enormous uh, post season game.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty impressive uh and the impact he's had you know really from the word go uh and you know you never know how someone who's just barely 21 years old is going to respond in these situations uh but he's and you wouldn't you wouldn't know a difference. I mean, you know, it it looks like he's still playing in double A with the way he's you know having success against really tough pitching and uh you know, I, I it's just, he's one of these kids who he's kind of an all shut, small town, Tennessee kid. And uh he's got, you know, he's a really bright kid, good head on his shoulders. Doesn't seem like he's an overthinker and just, I don't know. I mean, I to me, Matt, if, if I walked across the field with 40,000 people staring at me, I think my heart would start pounding, but you know, he's asked to come up in big spots with 40,000 people staring at him. And in Baltimore, forty thousand hostile people, or forty-five mm-hmm. over there, and it just doesn't seem to faze him. And it's been really cool. the The comments I've heard, either secondhand or just you know directly to me from people around the league, evaluators, uh, people who know this game way better than I ever will, uh, the things they've had to say about Evan Carter. I mean, it's it's been glowing praise, and um, you, you know I think Rangers fans should be feeling great about. What he's doing now, what he's hopefully, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, we'll be able to do in the future. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, to think that um, if you would have told me six weeks ago, Evan Carter uh, would be hitting fifth for a team that's getting ready or has a chance to close out a 101-win Orioles team in the ALDS, I would have told you you're crazy. But here we are, and uh, he's risen to the occasion. And uh, it's just the quality of the bat is so impressive for him. And the pitches he sees, the pitches he takes, he has got such a sharp eye, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's really impressive.
1: And that stroke, and then the way he plays in the outfield, uh, pretty smooth out there. Jared Sandler, Texas Rangers Radio Network, joining the Matt Mosley Show. He's getting ready to get you ready for this game, and you'll hear all that. Uh, the uh, on-base percentage, you had this stat, um, and you were just talking about it on your three keys with it up around, like, 380, I think the Rangers uh, on base percentage, 376. Um, and this is postseason stats. The rest of Major League Baseball, 3:13. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a, a remarkable. Now, if you get 11 walks in one game, the numbers tend to fly up there. But I mean, there's Seeger just taking what they're giving him five times in one game. Now tell us about this starter because I know you've looked at at this this guy for the Orioles. What what is he kind of known for? I was trying to look if he had that many walks. I did see in his last fifteen starts. I think I, I saw he had thirty three walks. But Dean Kramer, what 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 do you what what's the what's the big thing? You were talking about his cutter, but what's the big thing to to bear in mind with him on the mound?
0: Yeah, I, you know he's he's been pitching really well of late and. For the Orioles even though you know it's kind of been a foregone conclusion that they were going to make the playoffs for a while they were trying to win the division and ultimately did uh you know you ask him about the walks he's he's better than league average of that he's not someone who uh gives up a ton in the way of walks uh you know he's not a huge strikeout guy either he's you know less than a strikeout per inning which you know these days if you're not a strikeout per inning guy you're thought of as you know maybe a not a big strikeout guy which is crazy to think about but Yeah, it's just kind of the way this works. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he he's someone who this year he got off to a great start, slowed down a little bit, finished strong. uh, And when I say got off to a great start, May April is rough. He had a really good May uh, and a really good July through August. And then September, his last couple starts were good. So, I mean, he's he's a fastball cutter guy. His fastball actually forcing fastball is not a bad pitch. The cutter is the better pitch. Um, And I think, you know, something that's worth at least pointing out, uh, Dean Kramer was born in California, uh, but spent a lot of time growing up in Israel. He's got dual citizenship. Uh, He's got Mm. two brothers. I know one of them is in the army uh, and with everything that's going on right now in Israel and his family, his parents are there. He lives there in the off season for at least part of the off season. Uh, He's pitching, I mean, either with nothing on his mind, and this is going to be his you know, a little escape from reality or he's pitching with a lot on his mind, you know, however you want to couch it. But yeah. uh, there's a lot going on in his world. And, uh, you know, it, 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 Brandon Hyde even mentioned yesterday that he asked him, you know, hey, are you do you want to pitch? You know, no one's going to think differently if you aren't mentally in the right place. And that's a, that's a tough decision for Dean Kramer because obviously the gut is, yeah, of course I want to pitch, but your team is facing elimination. And if you're not mentally in the right place, Uh, you know, you'd be doing a disservice to your teammates. And, again, no one would fault him, but he said he's ready. And, uh, you know, from everything I've heard, he's a pretty stoic guy. So uh, Mm -hmm. that's definitely a storyline that's going to be talked about. And, um, you know, you really feel for him with everything that he's going through with his family. And everyone, thankfully, so far, uh, as he shared yesterday, is safe in Israel. And hopefully that remains to be the case.
1: All right. We saw President Biden's comments earlier. And uh, it's been scary to watch everything that's happened and, uh, boy, thinking about everybody over there and, and, and what's going on, and we'll see the response. But, uh, yes, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's on a lot of people's minds right now. Now, on a lighter note, uh, Jared Sandler, the Creed story is something you have followed. I mean, I would almost say you've kind of uh, taken ownership in some ways over that story, although Matt Hicks, with his home run call on the Grand Slam, I think, works from Creed into that. And then now there's Creed music playing over that call, which has been kind of nice. Were you a Creed guy? I mean, I'm trying to think. You would have been really young when they got rolling there in the late 90s. I mean, you were just kind of getting rolling with, with with listening to music and everything. And and who who is the Creed instigator? Who on the team? I mean, I've, I've seen Heaney kind of associated with this. Who was kind of the the top uh, uh, creed person to kind of get this thing going?
0: (laughs) The top creed person. I I think Andrew Heaney was right in the middle of it. Um, You know, Nathaniel Lowe a lot of times is uh, DJing in the clubhouse, though I don't know if uh, Nathaniel Lowe is, uh, you know, a big creed guy, but that's the part of the fun of it. I don't know that any of these guys necessarily or were big creed guys. I think it was just something fun for them, uh, and it, Kind of caught on, and I'm I'm a little amazed at how how much this story has caught steam. I mean, just around the country, uh, it seems like you know baseball, uh, you know baseball outlets are talking about it. And I mean, it's kind of fun. And you know, I think what's always cool here is the fans seem to be enjoying it. And uh, you know, in 2010 and 2011, they had the Klon Antler stuff, and you know, this team doesn't really have a thing like that. And you know, the reality is that their two best players, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, they're you know they're not Elvis Andrews. They're not the going to show a ton of emotion outwardly. They're mm. not those guys, and they're great. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just not how they're wired. And so I think for this fan base to have something to connect uh, the team with that they can kind of participate in has been really cool. And, uh, and you know, I saw it was kind of bizarre. We talked to Evan Carter yesterday. Evan Carter wasn't even born – uh when creed had released their first three albums which is just kind of crazy (laughs) to think about but uh and i don't know that i was a big creed guy i mean i i don't know i like their songs i remember when they performed at halftime at thanksgiving and then i think as i got older i didn't like their songs as much but i heck if it's going to help the rangers win some games i love creed they're going to be my favorite band
1: all right, I saw you weigh in on some DAC stuff the other night, too. I kind of like that. You you get back. It's a triumphant time for the Rangers. <laughs> you get back in town, and and I saw, oh, I said, Jared's dabbling in some DAC talk here because, boy, people have a lot of opinions right now. And, and right now, obviously, people are following you for a lot of your Rangers talk, but I'm sure you found out in a hurry, boy, what a polarizing uh Deal that is right now, and I think you were kind of wondering, okay, where is this guy in the whole, uh you know, top ten? Where is he? And uh yeah, right after that game the other night, I think there were fans willing to say he's not in the top twenty. Right? <laughs> they were. Yeah. No. It, and, and,
0: and let me tell you, Matt. I I'm not. I I like Dak. Like I root for Dak. I'm not. Yeah. Anti Dak, and I'm not a Dak homer. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I'm yeah. Not, diehard Cowboys fans, so I I don't really look at it emotionally like that. I just, last year, I heard so many Cowboys fans tell me that Jalen Hurts was a fluke, and Dak was better, and this and that, and I just didn't quite understand it. Uh, And the real impetus was, hey, how can we honestly say that Dak is better than Jalen Hurts? And then I started thinking, you know, because last year I made a comment about Dak, and it, it was incredibly polarizing, and I just, I, for whatever reason, you know, we like to rank. Everyone, It's part of fun of sports. You rank, you have these conversations. Does it really matter if he's seventh or eighth or ninth? No, not really, but it's fun to rank. And I just went through the quarterbacks, and there are more on the list. I actually think I would take over Dak right now, but yeah. I understand that those might not be indisputable. I just think the problem is, you know, Dak has had all the help in the world. Yes, he has had years where the offensive line has been battered, and you want to use that as an excuse but I'm kind of tired of it. At, at some point, you got to just kind of call a spade a spade. And Dak is someone, maybe because of the injury a few years ago, he never quite has con- been able to consistently perform at a super high level that he has slashed. And you can say, well, if he'd be in the Dolphins' offense this or if he had this then that. I'm just kind of tired of it because at some point, it just sort of is what it is. And I think Dak is a good quarterback but I don't think he's a great quarterback. And too often in these situations, like Sunday night, he is not a factor the way really good quarterbacks rise above uh, an adverse situation with the opponent and become a factor. And I just think that at some point the Cowboys need to be honest with themselves with who they have. He seems like an amazing person and someone you absolutely want to root for. But, you know, I, am a USC guy, Matt. Clay Helton was a really nice guy. We'd win NFL College Game Day every year because ESPN once a year would do some feature on Clay Helton doing great things for people. But you know what? We went 7-6 and six or 6-7. Six and seven. And at the end of the day, it's about winning games. And Dak Prescott right now is not doing, in my opinion, what he needs to do if this team wants to win more than just the division or actually maybe make a run in the postseason.
1: Well, good stuff as always. And I'm sure when USC missed that short field goal the other night and then had to go win that thing in overtime, you never had a doubt, did you? You, had, you knew the Trojans.
0: It was, it was two, it was 2.30 in the morning in Baltimore when that game ended. And I can't tell you how many things I wanted to throw if my wife wasn't sleeping next to me because that was such an embarrassing performance against a backup quarterback at home. And USC better get their act together because their next five weeks, are going to be incredibly tough. And if they have any hope at the playoff, they got to somehow pray that they can get through these next five weeks with only one loss. And I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think that happens. It's disappointing, but they just don't have a good enough team to play. It's crazy. They're in the best conference in college football this year. That's never been the case. For the Pac-12 this year is the best conference in college football, and it's going to be a gauntlet for them over the next five weeks.
1: Okay. Well, you could always be a Baylor alum like me. and, and I know. And, yeah, it's hard to give anybody much sympathy with an undefeated team uh, when you're 2-4 and four and getting uh, boat raced <laughs> by uh, Tech at home. Hey, have a great night. We'll be listening. Always love listening to you. And, uh, and man, it's going to be a lot of fun out there. Appreciate you doing this.
0: Thanks, Moe. Hopefully everyone has a great time. It's great to have playoff baseball back here in the area.
1: There he goes, Jared Sandler, Texas Rangers Radio Network, and you'll